When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome into the Legends Lounge, the show where I talk about the stories from the Star Wars Legends line of books. My name is Aaron Motes. Since this is the first episode, let me tell you a little about the show. I will select one book from Legends each episode and chat about it for 30 to 40 minutes. In the first part of the episode, I'll recap the main characters and plot points, And in the second half, I'll talk about what works for me and what doesn't, and whether any parts of the story could be brought into Star Wars canon in the future. Why am I doing this? Well, I love the old expanded universe. I was a child of the original trilogy who thought that the two Ewok movies were going to be the last Star Wars I was ever going to get. Not great. But Christmas 1992, my parents got me Heir to the Empire by Timothy Zahn. It was the first Star Wars book I'd ever seen, and after reading it, of course I gobbled up all the ones I could find after that. Now, look, I know the Legends books aren't for everyone. Many are fast-paced, adventures of the week, like Saturday morning serials or cartoons, and that's honestly one of the reasons I like them so much. Other Legends stories are more character studies, gothic tales, spy thrillers, and let's face it, some are pretty weird and don't make a lot of sense. But I really like the variety in Legends. To me, all those different types of stories make it really fun. Now, I'm not going to pick books in chronological order or publishing order or anything. I'm just going to jump around and pick out the stories I feel like talking about. I'm going to start with the Darth Bane Trilogy. I haven't read those books in about a decade. I remember really liking them, and it'll be fun to read them again. Now, if I had waited to start developing this show until after the Disney Investor Call a few weeks ago, I probably would have started with Kenobi or Plagueis or the Rogue Squadron series because there are things in those books that might be relevant to Star Wars moving forward. But I'll get to those after the Bane Trilogy. Now, one last thing before I start, I'd like to hear from everybody. You can email me at swlegendslounge at gmail.com, or you can find me on Twitter at legendslounge1. I'll try to answer your questions, or you can give me your opinions. Tell me what you liked or what you didn't like in a book or the show. And you can suggest future stories for me to discuss. So, that's it for the intro. Let's get into this first episode. Book one of the Darth Bane trilogy by Drew Carpishan. Path of Destruction. Let's head in to the Legends Lounge. (laughs) 
Path of Destruction takes place more than a thousand years before the Battle of Yavin. In Part 1, we meet a man named Dez on the backwater world of Apatros. He's a huge man in his early 20s whose strength has been forged over a decade of working the mines. Dez's father blamed his son for all the ills of his life. His father was an alcoholic who called Dez the bane of his existence. Now, Dez is just like every other miner except for one thing. He gets hunches and premonitions of things that are about to happen, especially when he gets angry. We first see this happen when Dez gets into a fight with another miner, a fight that ends with Dez biting off the other man's thumb. We see it again when Dez enters a sabak game with a bunch of Republic troops. Dez taunts the soldiers, teases them, insults them, uses their anger to fuel his own. And the angrier Dez gets, the more he accurately anticipates which cards will be drawn. In the end, Dez takes the soldiers for all their credits. Later, as he leaves the cantina, he's jumped by three of them. During the fight, we see Dez get another premonition as a drunken ensign takes a swing at him with a knife. Dez wrestles the blade from the officer and stabs him through the chest, killing him. Now this leads to Dez escaping Apatros and the Republic. He flees to Sith-controlled space and enlists in the Sith army. About a year later, Dez has become an infantry sergeant whose unit is ordered to take a Republic recon station on the planet of Fasira. Now, During the attack, the platoon is taken by surprise. Dez sees that his troops are going to be wiped out. His fear and anger swell, boiling over to a white-hot rage. Dez takes the rifle from the platoon sniper and takes out nine Republic troops in less than three seconds. These actions stun his fellow troopers, but his quick reflexes allow the platoon to destroy the station. As word spreads, his actions catch the attention of a black-robed figure who takes Dez to the planet Korriban, the home of the ancient Sith Lords. This is Lord Kopex, one of the Brotherhood of Darkness. The Brotherhood has heard what Dez did during the battle, and they've chosen him to study the powers of the dark side at the Sith Academy. Lord Kopex says that it's typical that when a dark acolyte enters the Academy, they leave their old lives behind and choose a new name with which to be reborn. Without hesitation, Dez chooses his new name, Bane. Now, part two of the book jumps forward about a year, Bane's training in the dark side has progressed. His appetite for Sith knowledge is voracious. He spends hours studying the scrolls of the ancient masters. And he's a quick learner with the lightsaber. Lord Kasim, the Academy Saber Master, takes a great interest in Bane. Kasim also monitors the sparring ring. In one duel, Bane is defeated by another acolyte, but he explodes in a fit of rage, grabbing the acolyte with the force and crushing the life out of him. Now, this incident draws the ire of Lord Cordis, the master of the Sith Academy. Cordis commends Bane for using his anger and rage to draw power from the dark side, but admonishes him for losing control of his emotions. Cordis is more upset with the way Bane keeps studying the teachings of the ancient Sith Lords instead of embracing the Brotherhood of Darkness established by Lord Khan. The Sith and the Jedi have been fighting for over 3,000 years, and Khan and Cordis believe the only way the Sith can win the war is by uniting. 
But Bain tells Cordus that unity runs contradictory to the ancient Sith beliefs. The strong are meant to rule. The weak are meant to follow. So in Bane's eyes, the Brotherhood is an abomination to Sith teachings. Now elsewhere in the galaxy, in the jungles of the planet Ruasan, Lord Khan and the Sith army are fighting the Jedi and the Republic. It's been basically a stalemate for two years, but the Sith get a surprise as one of the Jedi defects, a woman named Gathani. She craves power. So in exchange for intelligence about the Jedi and their troops, Lord Khan agrees to send Gathani to Korriban to learn more about the dark side of the Force. Now back on Korriban, Bane challenges the Academy's top student in the dueling ring, a Zabrak named Sirak. But it's a complete mismatch. Sirak ends the duel quickly, breaking several of Bane's bones and knocking him out. As he recovers, Gethany approaches Bane with a proposition. She wants to be the top student, but knows she can't challenge Sirak directly. But Gethany senses the power in Bane. She offers to tutor him in the lessons of the Academy Lords, and when Bane grows powerful, he will take out Sirak. Bane agrees. And he also convinces Sabermaster Kasim to give him lightsaber training at night. Now for months, Bane learns from Gethany. He studies more of the ancient Sith scrolls, and he trains with Kasim. When he challenges Sirak again, the duel is much different. Bane uses Sirak's frustration and anger to fuel his own rage. He disarms the Zabrak, but just as he's about to land the fatal blow, Lord Kasim intervenes, stopping Bane from killing Sirak. After the duel, Gathani confronts Bane, calling him a coward for missing his chance to eliminate Sirak. Bane is now fully disillusioned with the teachings at the Sith Academy. He ventures out into the Korriban Desert, where he hopes to find more teachings inside the tombs of the ancient Sith. He searches for weeks, but finds nothing. The tombs were picked clean centuries earlier. Hungry and exhausted, Bane returns to the academy where he learns that Lord Khan has sent word from the front that the Sith acolytes will be headed to Ruasan to help with the war. But Bane refuses. He believes the Brotherhood is destined to fail. He's leaving Korriban, and he's not going to Ruasan. Bane heads for a planet he's read about in the ancient scrolls, a planet called the Unknown World. As he boards his shuttle, Bane tells Lord Cordis, quote, I'm leaving, and none of you are strong enough to stop me. My name is Darth Bane. Now in part three, Bane heads to the Unknown World, a planet called Lihan, where he finds the remains of a great space battle from 3,000 years before. Bane finds a Sith temple on Lihan's surface, in the temple, he discovers a Sith holocron, one created by the ancient Sith Lord, Darth Revan. Bane becomes engrossed in Revan's teachings. Revan says the Sith's greatest strength is also its greatest weakness. The Sith cull the weak of their order. The power of the dark side invites rivalry and backstabbing. Naturally, there can only be one Dark Lord of the Sith, with one apprentice to train in the dark side. It's an affirmation for Bane, who decides the only way to ensure the Sith will rise is to destroy the Brotherhood of Darkness. On Ruasan, Lord Khan discovers what Bane's been up to, and he sends two assassins to take out the young Sith Lord. First, Sabermaster Kasim attacks Bane at the Sith Temple. 
Cassim may be the best lightsaber duelist to have ever lived, but Bane has grown strong in dark si- with dark side power. He uses the force to rip apart a stone arch and crushes the saber master under tons of rubble. Following this assassination attempt, Bane sends Lord Khan a peace offering, a gift that he's learned from Darth Revan's holocron, how to destroy the Jedi. But it's a Trojan horse. Bane knows that Khan and the other members of the Brotherhood won't recognize the gift for what it is. It's a way to wipe out the Jedi, but also the Sith. After Lord Khan receives Bane's message, he decides to send Gathani to the planet Ambria to parlay with the wavered Sith Lord. But Gathani tells Khan that Bane can't be defeated with force, only with cunning. When Gathani arrives on Ambria, she turns on the charms, using Bane's attraction to her to get close. The two kiss, but Gathani's kiss is laced with two poisons, enough to kill several men. Bane detects the first poison, and his esteem for Gathani grows. She's smart. She's patient. She's cunning. He thinks that Gathani could be the apprentice he needs to re-implement the Sith rule of two. Bane clears the first poison from his system using the Force, but the second has already attacked his vital organs. Luckily, a healer lives on Ambria, and after a few days, Bane is healed. When he recovers, he decides to head to Ruasan for his showdown with Lord Khan and the Brotherhood. Khan and Gathani, of course, can't believe when Bane arrives at the Sith camp on Ruasan, but they refuse to reveal to the others that they tried to kill him. Bane plays the supplicant, humbly offering to use the knowledge he's learned from Revan's holocron to defeat the Republic army in battle. He leads the Brotherhood in an ancient ceremony, summoning an inferno that can raise the entire planet. But Lord Khan and the Brotherhood stop the spell after they obliterate the battleground and send the army of light running. Now, while the Sith and their army pursue the retreating Jedi and Republic troops, Bane heads back to camp. There he finds Lord Cordis, who surprises Bane by offering Bane his allegiance. Bane laughs and grabs Cordis with the Force, crushing his windpipe. Bane then radios the Sith fleet in orbit and orders them to break the blockade and attack the Republic ships. The Sith fleet is defeated, allowing the Republic ships to make it to the planet with reinforcements. Their army now in shambles, the Sith retreat back into the jungle to a system of caves where Lord Khan decides to make their last stand. They'll use the gift Bane sent them from the Holocron, the ability to create a thought bomb to wipe out the Jedi. But the spell takes time, and the Jedi can sense the concentration of dark side power. A hundred Jedi volunteers descend into the caves to wipe out the Sith and ensure the explosion of dark side energy is contained. The rest of the Jedi and the Republic army retreat to ensure their preservation. Now deep in the tunnels, the Sith form the Thought Bomb, draining the area of heat and light. Soon the Jedi arrive, and just as they attack the Sith Circle, Lord Khan claps his hands, releasing the Thought Bomb, disintegrating all the Jedi and the Sith in the cave, turning them to ash. The book ends with Bane stalking through the jungle back to his shuttle. In a clearing, he comes across a puzzling scene, a young girl crying and two dead Jedi. But Bane can sense what has happened. The girl had lashed out in a fit of pain and rage, using the dark side of the Force to kill the Jedi. Bane can feel how strong the 10-year-old girl is in the Force. Her name is Zana, and Darth Bane, 
the Dark Lord of the Sith has found his apprentice. Let's take a quick break. When we return, I'll talk about the parts of the book I found really interesting and if there's anything we could possibly see from Path of Destruction in Star Wars moving forward. I'm Aaron Motes. You're listening to the Legends Lounge. Hey, everybody. Let me take a moment to recommend a book from Star Wars canon, Leia, Princess of Alderaan. The story follows a 16-year-old Leia as she studies to become the heir to her mother, Queen Breha. Join the future rebellion leader as she faces challenges to her mind, her body, and her spirit. But Leia has worries that go beyond the throne. Her parents are acting strangely. They seem to be more concerned with throwing dinner parties than with their daughter's royal training. What are they up to? And why are they being so secretive? Discover it all in Leia, Princess of Alderaan by Claudia Gray. Welcome back into the Legends Lounge, the show that celebrates the books from Star Wars Legends. I'm Aaron Motes, and I'm reviewing the first book in the Darth Bane trilogy, Path of Destruction, by Drew Karpishin. Peace is a lie. There is only passion. Through passion, I gain strength. Through strength, I gain power. Through power, I gain victory. Through victory, my chains are broken. These are the tenets of the Sith, and Bane repeats them throughout the entire narrative. He sees every challenge as an obstacle to grow more powerful in the dark side of the Force. Whether it's the duels in the sparring ring, or the lessons he needs to decipher from the scrolls, or his scheme to destroy the Brotherhood of Darkness, Bane keeps repeating parts of the Sith mantra in his mind throughout the book. Let's look at each piece of the Sith mantra. Peace is a lie. There is only passion. The desire for power and control is inherent in Sith teachings. You have to crave knowledge and power in order to grow stronger in the dark side of the Force. Now, in Bane's eyes, this is the biggest failure of the Brotherhood of Darkness. The Sith Lords have turned their back on the old ways. They've banded together, hoping that it will give them the strength to finally defeat the Jedi and overthrow the Republic. But from what Bane has learned in all of his studies of the scrolls and the holocron and the other ancient Sith artifacts, cooperation equates to peace among the Sith. They are handcuffing themselves, never to achieve the mastery of the dark side required to rule the galaxy. Peace leads to complacency. Complacency leads to defeat. But passion leads to rivalry. Passion leads to infighting. Passion leads to challenging others to rule the Sith. The second part of the mantra. Through passion, I gain strength. Now, there's nothing Bane is more passionate about than studying the lessons in the ancient scrolls on Korriban and the holocron uh, that he found from Darth Revan on Lihan. They contain ancient spells that can be used against allies to get what you want or to destroy your enemies. 
they also describe how the Sith use their emotions to access the dark side of the Force. Fear, pain, anger, these are the gateways to power. A Sith doesn't meditate before making a decision. A Sith acts, making whatever choice will most benefit the Sith. The more that Sith uses emotions, the easier the dark side of the Force is to access. The third part, through strength, I gain power. If you remember in The Empire Strikes Back, Yoda tells Luke that once you start down the dark path, forever will it dominate your destiny. Bane's lust for power is insatiable. He studies any ancient teachings he can get his hands on. And he uses those lessons to sow confusion and discontent on Korban. Every time he defeats another acolyte or one of the members of the Brotherhood, he grows stronger in the dark side. And the other Sith Lords can feel him growing stronger. Lord Kasim, the Saber Master, stops Bane from killing Sirak in the sparring ring. Lord Khan tries to have Bane killed. Lord Cordis tries to join Bane when he feels Bane has become too powerful to control. But to Bane, all of these things are obstacles to overcome. The fourth part, through power, I gain victory. Every challenge Bane defeats gets him closer and closer to his goal, to become the Dark Lord of the Sith, a title he believes only he can earn based on his scheming, his cunning, and his power. The final part of the Sith mantra, through victory, my chains are broken. Bane knows the only way the Sith will rise to rule the galaxy is by re-implementing the rule of two. There can only be one Dark Lord of the Sith to embody the power of the dark side of the Force, and only one apprentice to crave that power. In order to reinstate the rule of two, Bane must destroy the other Sith Lords and convince the Jedi that the Sith have been wiped from the galaxy. He tricks the Brotherhood into producing the Thought Bomb incinerating the Sith and the 100 Jedi volunteers that tried to stop the spell. That made him free to re-implement the rule of two and develop the great plan to rule the galaxy. Bane can remain hidden. He's now free to work in the shadows. He can accumulate wealth, influence, influence politics, and even grow more powerful in the dark side of the Force. Path of Destruction moves quickly. Uh, for some, the plot may move too quickly, but a lot of things need to get done in this story in order to set up the next two books. I think it's possible to actually skip part one and still understand Bane and everything that's going on, but I like how fast it moves, and I like the backstory of Bane's former life on Apatros. I really like the character of Gathani. Uh, the first time I read the book, I remember being convinced that she would become Bane's apprentice, when she had second thoughts about the Thought Bomb spell, I thought, yep, there it is. She's going to escape, and she's going to escape Ruasan with Bane. So I was pretty surprised when she died fleeing the caves. Uh, I think Karpashin does a really good job building the suspense in those last few chapters about whether Gathani will get away or the remaining Jedi will get far enough away from the caves to, to survive the Thought Bomb. When Bane finds the girl Zana in the epilogue chapter, it reminds me of one of those post-credit scenes in a big franchise movie. 
It's only a few pages. It reads a little differently from the rest of the book, but it does a really good job setting up the story going forward. Bane has now found someone untrained but powerful in the Force. She doesn't know the light side or the dark side. She's 10 years old. She's on a war-torn planet. She just wants to no longer feel afraid. Bane can mold her into a powerful dark side user. Okay, now it's time to see if there's anything in this book that we could possibly see in Star Wars canon sometime in the future. Uh, first, let's start with the things that already are canon. The Rule of Two is mentioned in The Phantom Menace after Jedi Obi-Wan Kenobi defeats Darth Maul. When Yoda and Mace Windu are discussing the return of the Sith, Yoda says, quote, Always two there are, no more, no less, a master and an apprentice. So even though the Jedi believed that the Sith had been destroyed a thousand years ago, they still know about the Rule of Two. And of course, we can go even earlier than that. We only know of two Sith in the original trilogy, the Emperor and Vader. So we may not have known about the institution of the Rule of Two, but it was basically on display in the theater for us to see. Darth Bane himself is also canon. He's mentioned in the Phantom Menace novelization, and we first see him on screen in the Clone Wars episode Sacrifice in the sixth season, voiced by Mark Hamill. Bane appears to Yoda in a Force vision and tries to get the Jedi Master to join the dark side of the Force. Yoda refuses, and the specter of Bane returns to his tomb. Bane was almost introduced earlier in the Clone Wars, back in the third season during the Mortis arc, but that scene was cut. The design for Bane was then changed from what the character was going to look like during the Mortis arc to what it eventually looked like in that season six episode. Now, for all my Knights of the Old Republic fans, Darth Revan. Believe it or not, Revan is technically canon. He was brought into canon in The Rise of Skywalker. He's the namesake of the third legion of the Sith Eternals army. Uh, but I know there's a lot of fans out there that would love for the Revens from KOTOR to be brought forth into canon. And honestly, most of the stuff from the ancient history of the Sith could pretty easily be canonized. Uh, I bet it does happen sometime in the future. Uh, the planet of Korriban is also kind of canon. The Sith homeworld is known in canon as Moribond, but it's said that it was called Korriban in ancient times. Now, while Moribond was first shown in that same Clone Wars Season 6 episode with Darth Bane, the writers initially named the planet Korriban. George Lucas, however, preferred the name Moribond, so it was changed. Now, as for things from this book that I would like to see made canon in the future, there are really only two. Um, first, the Thought Bomb. I just think that's really cool. There's a spell that can be conjured that will wipe out all powerful Force users within a certain area depending on how many Sith combine to form it. In canon, all we know right now is that Darth Bane instituted the Sith rule of two after all the other Sith were wiped out at the end of the Jedi-Sith War. According to canon, the Sith weakened themselves through infighting, 
allowing the Jedi to wipe them out. Bane is the only Sith to survive the war, but we don't know how. I think it would be pretty cool to see Bane manipulate the Sith into bringing about their own destruction with the Thought Bomb or, or something like it. Also, the canon history of greed and infighting weakening the Sith is basically the opposite of why Bane saw the Brotherhood as weak in Legends, because the Sith were trying to work together. Secondly, as I said before, I really like the character of Gathani, the Jedi apprentice that becomes disillusioned with the Order and turns to the dark side. Of course, we have seen this character archetype before. Anakin Skywalker, Count Dooku, Asajj Ventress. So, Gathani's character model isn't new, but I really like the character. And if we see any future stories about the Jedi-Sith War, I hope they include her. Now, one other note about Gathani. Uh, I do wonder if some of Barriss Afi's arc in the fifth season of The Clone Wars was influenced a little by the character of Gathani. Um, just something that I think about. One last thing. Uh, we are introduced to Zana in the epilogue of the book, but since it's only four pages, I'm going to wait to talk about whether or not we could see her moving forward until the next episode of the Legends Lounge when I go over the second book of the Darth Bane trilogy. So, that's it for the first episode of the Legends Lounge. Thank you so much for listening, and a very big thank you to Matt Thacker of the Davos Fingers podcast for recording all the musical cues I will be using for the show. Awesome work, Matt. Thank you very much. Again, if you want to contact me, please feel free. The email address is swlegendslounge at gmail.com, and you can find me on Twitter at legendslounge1. I'm Aaron Motes. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, there's always a bit of truth in legends.